Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert. Will East back in Jackson. It's Super Talk headquarters. I am on location live today from Hattiesburg, Mississippi at the Corner Market on Hardy Street. It's uh, the day in which Corner Market has a toy drive for Homes for Hope for Children. Homes for Hope for Children. We've got a great lineup in store for you today. Kicking things off in the next segment with Tony Mozingo, incoming executive director of Homes of Hope for Children. And then Mike Salden, COO of Roberts Company. That's the parent company of the Corner Markets. Kent McCarty, representative for District 101 in the Mississippi House of Representatives, will join middays in the second hour at 11.20. Chad Hill, VP and branch manager of Citizens Bank, will wrap us up in the second hour. And then Representative Missy McGee, representing District 102, which includes Forest and Lamar counties. She serves as the vice chair of public health and human services in the house. We'll come on to the Element Well Studios on middays at 12.05. Luke Johnson, host of the Eagle Hour, will join us to discuss Southern Miss's bowl game coming up. And then Melissa Saucier, owner of Keith Cove. We'll speak with us at 12.37. We'll wrap the day up with Mike Souden, again, COO of the Roberts Company, which operates the corner market. So it's a little chilly out there this morning, Will. Yeah, a little chilly, but that's all right. It's uh, December, what, 16th, so it's supposed to be a little chilly, unlike this time last week when we were all wearing shorts doing yard work. I know, it's so crazy. And the uh, the forecast uh, appears to call for really cold weather moving into the Magnolia State, sweeping across the nation. Uh, even around Christmas, I've seen some predictions that this may be the coldest Christmas ever in Mississippi. Really? You seen that? No, yeah. I've not seen that. Yeah, uh, Scary Gary and some local folks here were just discussing that as well. So it, it's Christmas, it's cold, that's better than it being hot and humid and rainy, I'll say that for sure. So, <laughs> Julie and I hosted the local Catholic Charities Governance Board at the house last night for a little Christmas cheer. And we were also graced by uh, Bishop Copaz. We uh, so enjoyed that, opening up our home for a great event and a great group that does great work at Catholic Charities for the state of Mississippi. Don't hear a lot about them. They just quietly go about their business uh, 
helping so many Mississippians in need and are pretty involved in the human trafficking situation as well, Will, that a lot of folks aren't aware. And we certainly have discussed that quite a bit on middays with uh, Attorney General Lynn Fitch, members of our legislature. It's, it's a big problem that we need to be cognizant of. It's especially prevalent and sad this time of year around Christmas. So uh, just wanted to pass that on. That was a lot of fun. We truly enjoyed it. The markets are selling off today. This is what I think we have going on here, folks, is a, a bit of a conflict between Fed Chair Jerome Powell, who is bound and determined to, to uh, cure this inflationary spiral that is just gripping our economy. And, of course, he raised rates. Uh, the FMOC, the Fed, raised rates by half a point two days ago. But the most important aspect uh, underlying communication in his remarks post the Fed meeting was that the use of the word ongoing, which means we're going to keep raising rates until we get this inflation down. The, the traditional target, historical target, has been 2%. Honestly, I don't think we're going to get there, and there are members of uh, the uh, excuse me, the Congress in particular, Senator Tom Tillis from North Carolina, who's basically saying the Fed needs needs to to uh, rethink this two percent target. I don't think that's possible. Senator Roger Wicker as well has said that he feels that is an unrealistic target. That has been the historical target. And again, we're, we're looking at uh, a situation where these members of the Senate and even on the House side think that that uh, that in a post-pandemic world, two percent inflation is an unreasonable goal. But that is, in fact, still the goal, as communicated by Fed Chairman Powell. The reason the markets are reacting so negatively is that he is relying and is President Biden and the Democrats 100% on Powell to to uh, get rid of this this uh, rather sticky inflation. And the only the main tool they have is interest rates. And what he's trying to do is cool the economy by raising rates in the hopes that Demand will be quelled because folks will lose their job. That literally is what he's trying to do. And the problem is is that he's combating his Fed Chairman Powell, the lack of fiscal policy coming out of the government that could also play a key role in combating inflation. And what we're talking about there is really two major uh, areas. First is spending. Spending. We keep spending more. There's no interest in curtailing spending as evidenced by this um, framework for discretionary spending to the tune of $1.7 trillion, which is more than last year, about $400 billion more than it was pre-pandemic on the discretionary side. There's no interest whatsoever by these folks in Washington at cutting spending, it, it, and it, they just spend it in a reckless fashion without any regard for revenue. It's a de- it creates a deficit. Oh, well, that's just part of running federal government now, trillion-dollar deficits. We've become accustomed to that. It's sickening. The second thing is we've got a government that 
totally opposes the use of fossil fuels and does not want to increase development and thus supply of fossil fuels. And that, of course, is woven into every aspect of our economy. And now we even have uh, folks, you may not have seen this, in the state of New York. They have passed a law uh, that would allow New York citizens to sue oil companies for climate, quote, negligence. Now, I, I, I take it back. It's a bill right now, so I apologize. has not been enacted, but it does appear to have support. It's a Brooklyn Democrat uh, in the state assembly introduced by state uh, and also, uh, yeah, uh, introduced by state senator Zelnor Myrie, Democrat from Brooklyn, Brooklyn, this legislation would allow people to sue big oil companies and other polluters over damage caused by fossil fuels. Incredible. So they're saying, that, well, to some extent, this is uh, kind of a response to a, a, a somewhat controversial law in Texas, which allows individuals, you remember this, to sue abortion providers. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying is, okay, well, you know, the, so the, the, le- the less big demon, right, is fossil fuels and the companies that produce them. Never mind the fact that their very existence and livelihood relies on it. So what they want is to allow this bill would allow individuals to sue companies that demonstrate negligence while, quote, storing, transporting, refining, importing, exporting, producing, manufacturing products such as petroleum and natural natural gas. That is in the legislative language. Uh, a memo attached thereto notes that 63% of the carbon dioxide and methane in the Earth's atmosphere was generated by just 90 entities, including U.S.-based companies like Exxon, Mobil, and Chevron, alongside foreign fossil fuels companies such as Saudi uh, Aramco. Uh, that is so crazy. I mean, do, do they not know that... The, the pen, the ink from the pen that they use has petroleum in it. The pen itself they use to write this bill has petroleum in it. They don't care. They literally don't care. They worship at the altar of climate change. They idolize. They adore. They revere climate change. And anything they can do to, to eliminate the use of fossil fuels is top on their list. This is so dumb, and this is, again, this counters any efforts by Jay Powell to curb inflation with interest rate hikes because we cannot, will not produce more supply to bring the cost down. Tony Mazingo, incoming executive director of Homes of Hope for Children, on Middays Next. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from the corner market on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're here for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. And uh, joining us now, Tony Mazingo, incoming executive director of the Homes of Hope for Children. Tony, thanks for coming on. Gerard, I'm honored to be uh, on the program with you. I thank you for your philanthropy servant i'm especially uh glad to hear your voice because of your work with canopy children's solutions we hope to yeah. learn from them and building this ministry in the future glad to be on super talk yeah appreciate that tony thanks for thanks for the shout out uh it, yeah the good folks at canopy uh what a great team over there and what great work they do so so needed so necessary in our state as is Homes of Hope for Children. So uh, tell our audience exactly what uh, you guys do. Homes of Hope for Children is a campus, a little over 40 acres in Lamar County, serving South Mississippi's children that find themselves in crisis, whether, Gerard, uh, it be through um, parents who have, have come into some trouble in their lives, whether it be grandparents that just can't, um, at an age or infirmity they can't take care of children just young children that need a home and we have there's a campus created in lamar county that's a sanctuary to in a christian environment for them to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the lord and educated and hopefully emancipated or reunited with uh with their loved ones one day and try to show them the, the tools to live a healthy successful life yeah so so tell us uh, Tony, what led you to this uh, this position at Homes of Hope? You just recently retired, right, from uh, being a judge. Correct. And um, uh, January 1st will, will begin formally at Homes of Hope and just felt it was a, a calling, providential calling, that I uh, leave uh, what I've been doing for years and, 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 and try to use the last whatever time I have left in my career uh, to to build lives and, and serve God in a, in a healthy way. I, I felt impressed to do it. It was a, a good time in my life. I had just had a landmark birthday, and I don't know, everything, the, the home had gone through some changes over the summer and fall, and, and we don't even need to talk about those because all we care about is the future, but we felt like we wanted to to, to try to uh, stabilize the ministry and grow it and make it a model for the rest of the country that, that other people could build on. In fact, that's why I'm not there with you today. I wish I were. And hello to all the house parents and children that might be listening out there. But I'm in Georgia at a similar home campus hmm. for children in crisis, and I'm here spending a couple of days learning from their founder and executive directors and staff on the best way to go forward with Homes of Hope. Hmm, that's interesting. So, uh, Tony, the, the structure of Homes uh, of Hope, it's its unique, is it not, with the, with the homes, uh, the house parents, uh, the children, the boys and girls that, that come from these difficult environments, and, and the idea, the goal is just to give them safety and stability, but, but this structure where there are house parents that, that uh, serve this need, and really provide that needed stability. It's a bit unique. It is. It's a concept that um, it is is such a blessing to the children because what happens is there that through the generous 
donations of, of, of many, many people in South Mississippi. We have five homes there. Each has a capacity of up to eight children and a set of Christian parents that live there, and even some of them have children of their own. Some are retired, but they they live there in a home with either eight boys or up to eight girls in each house, and they're able to give them one-on-one nurturing, teaching, and helping them grow as as children into young adults. And it is a, a unique concept because we, we, we don't depend on the legislature for assistance. We are funded through the good uh, charity and love of our community and, and yeah. statewide foundations such as um, uh, the, some of those in Jackson that have been very generous to us. Yeah, and the idea is it not, Tony, is just to provide the, these children uh, just a, an environment in which they can thrive and focus on growing up and developing and just enjoying the experience of being a child, uh, something that maybe they didn't have before they, they came to Homes of Hope. That's the idea is to just essentially fill that void and replicate that. And, and that starts, Gerard, with um, with basic education and and food and, and a nice place, clean place to live and peace and and yeah. a campus that everybody gets along in harmony. You know, and we all want the same thing for the kids. And that's exactly right. Yes, sir. And it's that's not, awesome. you know, in your mind's eye, you may some of the listeners may be picturing some campus of a, a, a gray, dull uh, look. This is a, a beautiful campus with um, with a uh, our own commissary and, and, and our own administration building and these individual homes and a basketball court and, and a little small lake. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to develop it into something that's really, really, really special from what's already there that's special. Yeah, awesome. And, of course, we're here at Corner Market, and Corner Market is a tremendous friend, are they not, to the Homes of Hope? Look, uh, the Roberts family and uh, those folks um, – I cannot say enough. Before I was ever contemplating this move to Homes of Hope, and when I did, I learned that they have been the most consistently generous of all in that they donate consistently, regularly to our commissary so that our families have plenty of food throughout the year. This particular drive that Super Talk, the Citizens Bank, and of course, Keith's Superstores and Corner Marker hosting is just uh, lanyap. It's it's even make our holiday uh, season more special with uh, traditional meals and parties like they had. I think last night a movie night, but um, all of that, so much of that over the years has been made possible by Corner Market's generosity. Yes, sir, and yeah, we thank and- them from the bottom of our hearts for it. And and just the the Hattiesburg community, Lamar County, et cetera, in general, are 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 very generous to Homes of Hope. For, I don't. I, I tell you, by the grace of God, for some reason, He favored Homes of Hope with a, a, an identifiable mission that is second nature to the people of our community. We have uh, donors, Gerard, that give five and ten dollars a month regularly, and that sustains together with the bigger donors our operational costs every day we have a huge budget as you can imagine these children mm-hmm. don't have anything and we have to take care of the house parents and support staff and maintenance and upkeep and 
all of that comes from donors from the smallest regular donors of ten dollars a month all the way up to the, the the things we depend on at the end of the year by the foundations but it's our goal to financially we've had a tremendous fall off as you can imagine in the last few months we're trying to shore up financially for the future of homes of hope and give a give us a, a, a stable foundation in which to go forward and grow the ministry yeah tony talk about the house parents oh i hope some of them are there uh you've gotten to meet them today they're they're going to be coming we have at this time four couples of of uh, just the finest character they've given their lives to move on campus and live in a home with up to eight children to raise these children and it, it is, as you can imagine, they need as much attention almost as the children because it is sure. something that I could not, I don't know if I could do. The selfless, unselfish nature of these folks. One of uh, the couples left a ministry as youth ministers at a church in Louisiana. One's a retired military couple. Um, another are a couple from over in the Carolinas that answered a call to come and, and are kind of our leaders of the house parents. And then the fourth uh, uh, set of, uh, couple uh, have been there through all of the good and bad days in the last couple of years. And, and they're, they're just such a uh, – the, the heartbeat of the day-to-day operation is in the house parents. Yeah, and I would invite everybody that's watching or listening to to peruse the website. And I know you've got some donors that actually help create and maintain that. But you'll see exactly what Tony's talking about. There's a there's a great uh, tour of the campus and so forth. It's it's as you said, it's not what you typically expect um, in this in this kind of effort. Uh, really is unique and a great concept. And Tony, we just appreciate uh, your your calling. You're you're responding to the calling. I think you're going to do great. We're pleased to have you in this position as the the well, new executive like, I director. Hey, this is like being on a Larry King show. That's a big deal for us. <laughs> you know, to be on Gerard's yeah. show on midday. <laughs> And I just appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you all for everything you've done for us. You got it. Coming right back at the Corner Market in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're here for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our shop on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Mick Jagger in the Stones with Jumping Jack Flash bumping into this. Segment on Midday Super Talk Mississippi, where we are coming at you live from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the hub city on Hardy Street at the corner market for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. Really appreciate uh, Tony Mazingo, the incoming executive director of Homes of Hope for Children, joining us on Middays. Appreciate that, uh, Tony, if you're still listening. And and uh, I believe you're the perfect person for uh, just just taking a look at your bio, your background for this new role at Homes of Hope. 
and so desperately needed. And, and you know, folks, it's this time of year when I think it's particularly disturbing uh, for children that do not have just the simple necessities and amenities of life. I mean, just the essentials, a, a roof over their head and food to eat, safety, an environment that is that is free from conflict, adult conflict. It's always the dang adults, right? The kids don't come out uh, of the womb thinking about that. They learn it from adults. And when they're exposed to challenging environments, it's, it's just not right. It's not fair. And, and that's what Homes of Hope is all about, is just giving them the environment that allows them to thrive, puts a roof over their head, and gives them stability and safety and food and just the basics. And that's what's so great about this organization and, and others in our state as well. And Mississippians are so charitable, and it, I'm so proud of that. And by the way, while we're here, we've got a big a big cardboard box for toys to be donated and already seen several people come by the corner market here and wave give us a thumbs up our set is adjacent to the box and they're depositing toys for the homes of hope if you're in the area come by and see us and bring some toys we would appreciate it so will this nonsense going on in new york and so here's the deal folks i know you think well well, that's in New York. That doesn't affect me in Mississippi. But here's how it does. All of these actions that are that are essentially attacking the fossil fuels industries, the, the companies that produce the energy we need to just exist, to just function as a society, live our lives on a day-to-day basis, to, to literally to eat and, and put clothes on our bodies and move about in our, our vehicles and other forms of transportation and the myriad of other issues, just like you were talking about, uh, Will, in the last segment, uh, other products, I should say, that are produced with fossil fuels, we still and will continue for quite some time to rely on that. But here's what happens. When a state like New York or any state passes, if they <clears throat> proceed and pass this law, enact it, this bill, which would allow citizens of New York to sue oil companies. And think about it. They would be suing them in a state likely to be friendly to the plaintiff and unfriendly, unfavorable to uh, the defendant, in this case the oil companies. Well, it costs money to deal with that. And it once again, it sends a message to these oil and gas producers that, you're operating in a hostile environment, so they're not likely to go invest more in exploration or refining or anything associated with producing more supply. I can't tell you the number of interviews I've seen in the last week and read about, not so much seen, but read about from uh, oil and gas oriented companies that are saying, yeah, we have a government that wants to shut us down. We're not really inclined to make investment to expand our business and thus supply, which is the way to bring the price down. Not just the price you pay at the pump, but the price you pay for everything. That is one of the key drivers of inflation. 
And the, the president says, well, I'm relying on Jay Powell over there at the Fed to just keep on tinkering with interest rates to bring down inflation. Well, see, here's the problem. Rising prices are a symptom of inflation, not the cause. And he is, is pursuing a strategy that essentially just addresses the symptom, not the root cause. The Fed literally thinks it needs to make us poorer to tame inflation because they're getting no assistance from lawmakers on the Hill to enact and adopt policy that would boost supply. There's just no interest in that. None. They don't even think about that. How can we boost supply? By cutting the red tape, cutting regulation, cutting taxes, cutting spending. They don't even think about that. All they think about is what can we do to help people? And their idea of helping people is sending them money. Simple as that. So now there's a debate going on that's pretty much ended where Republicans... I know a lot of folks that that, uh, tune into the program every day. They, They get really put out with the Republicans, don't think they're doing a lot. But, but I can say this, when, they're, when they do good things, I'll point it out. And in this case, they are looking to put some more permanency in, in some of the Trump tax cuts, in, including the uh, immediate expensing of capital investment and some of the other provisions. And they go to that with the Democrats who are in control. And the Democrats immediately say, nope, we won't do that unless we can make permanent the pandemic-era child tax credits. In other words, more helicopter money. That doesn't increase supply and thus reduce inflation. That just gives people more money to go spend it, which in fact boosts uh, inflation. So they can't get a deal. On that, they basically said the child tax credit is uh, if we can't get a deal to make that permanent, the pandemic level child tax credit. We can't get that, which is three thousand bucks a year per child in a house. We can't get that non-starter to even talk about some of these supply boosting, supply side oriented tax policies that Republicans are pushing for. Just incredible. The other thing that we touched on yesterday, uh, Will, is that congressional Republicans could force Biden to cut $130 billion out of this discretionary spending bill by just standing firm on the Pay-As-You-Go Act of 2010. It's commonly known as PAYGO. If they would just stand firm on that, 41 of them in the Senate, because it requires 60 votes in the Senate. If they would just, waiving it does, which they do every single time since 2010, if they would just stand firm and observe regular order, stand firm on what's already been passed 12 years ago, they could, in fact, force more than $100 billion in spending cuts. But they won't do it. I just don't get it. I, I cannot get it. Uh, so I'm I'm saying right here, right now, and I know that there's likely nobody listening in the U.S. Senate, but they could, in fact, just stand firm on regular order and force the PAYGO, which was enacted in 2010. That would force 
over a hundred billion, close to a hundred thirty billion dollars of spending cuts. This this trajectory of just constant increase in spending is lunacy. It's fiscal irresponsibility. A near ninety billion more for defense, and the Repo- and then the Democrats say, well, if you Republicans are going to increase defense spending, well, then in the discretionary category, we're going to get more for for the non-defense aspects, which is all the other agency complex, including more than doubling of the um, CMS for CDC and, and all that group for COVID, as an example. They, they literally could address this 87, funding for 87,000 IRS agents if they would also force negotiation of spending through the regular order structure of the 12 separate bills. But they won't. They're just going to sign on to this goofy omnibus bill, and nobody blinks. Nobody will will deliberate or squawk or get on the floor and say, this is not the way to run the railroad, and I'm not going to get into the details of these giant omnibus bills and say we don't need this and we don't need that, which would be much uh, more possible and plausible if they would negotiate and deliberate 12 separate bills. That's the way it's supposed to work. This is how we got $31 trillion in debt. So I don't see any end in sight for inflation and what I believe are going to be some, from some rather difficult economic times with this $1.7 trillion spending bill. I'll leave you with this thought before we break here. If we spent in this fiscal year what we spent in 2019 pre-pandemic, we would have little to no deficit based on the income that we are generating and sending to the federal revenue, sending to the federal government. Think about that. Think about that. If we just return to 2019, we would be out of the deficit column. Mike Salden coming up next, COO of the Roberts Companies. We're at Corner Market in Hattiesburg for Homes of Hope. Stay with us. Properly set all controls before recording. All systems closed. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Corner Market in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're here for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. By the way, uh, that was the great Brenda Lee bumping us into this segment here. Uh, I heard an intro to the song the other day on one of the serious channels. said she was 13 when she recorded that. Wow. 13? <laughs> I had no idea until I heard that. And then I started listening. Does that sound like the voice of a 13-year-old? <laughs> it's pretty good. So uh, Mike Southern, the COO of the Roberts Companies, uh, the operators of the Corner Markets, our, our guest here. 
in the Element Well Studios at the Corner Market on Hardy Street in midday. So, Mike, good to see you. What a what a great uh, effort once again that is very much appreciated by the homes of folk. We just had uh, Tony, the incoming executive director. I think he's going to be perfect in that role. That's great. We're glad to have you here. This is something we absolutely love to do, and Homes of Hope is a great thing for those kids. There's no doubt. We've had customers calling in wanting to know where they can bring the toys, and it's been a, it's been a good thing this year. That is really awesome. Is. That is awesome. Well, uh, it certainly, anytime you've got a private business like this that understands and, and, and is, is generous it, to the community because the community is good to you, and that's what it's all about. That's, it's supposed to be a partnership. Exactly. That's what we try to do. Homes of Hope is something that uh, Mr. Roberts, the founder of our company, actually got involved with, and we make sure they get fresh food every week. The holidays, we let them come in and pick out their meals, and it's just it's a it's a great opportunity. Yeah, we we really enjoy the partnership. You know, I remember last time you and I visited in the spring uh, when we were here. You were talking about some of your your personal. Uh, exposure and experience, as I recall, with, with, with some of the kids and some mm-hmm. of the, the house parents moving. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, watching these kids come in and they picking out their fruit and getting excited, I, I, it, yeah, if it doesn't move you, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You know, picking out strawberries and looking at the excitement that was on these kids. And are you talking about well mannered children? I mean, it was, it was like amazing. But yeah, it was, it was something that I just stood back and watched and, and just in, in awe yeah. of watching them picking out fresh yeah. food and being it excited. It shouldn't be that way in this country. It shouldn't be. We, you know, we take that for granted. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and when you, it makes you kind of sit back and reflect on that, that everybody's not that fortunate just right. to have fresh fruit. I yeah, mean, the, the parents bring the children in to, like, they'll, they'll do, uh, you know, their Christmas meal. They'll do Thanksgiving, Easter. And they go around the store and shop for it. And to watch them, how excited they it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's, it'll bring you to tears. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so you told me that somebody called you and said that they may have, like, a lot of toys to yep. bring and wanted to know if you had space to store. We've got plenty of space. Come on. A lady wanted to know if we had room in the back room for toys. You bring it and we'll store it. This is so great to be able to do this for these kids. Yeah. You know, without the community... And your kids will have nothing. Yeah. You know, without Homes of Hope, they'd have nothing. These are these are kids from rough, rough backgrounds. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. If you ever get a chance to see and talk to them and talk to the house parents, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I, I noted just when we got here walking around and something that I, that I always take note of, the store, the shelves are jam-packed. It looks like you, you've done a really good job of making sure you're well-stocked uh, for the holidays. We have the best people, and that's what it is. Without our team, we're... We're nothing, and these people are fantastic. And this is our, you know, I say all the time, this is our Super Bowl. This this week coming into to Christmas uh, is very important to us. Yeah. Uh, the customers are busy. They're they're doing their shopping. They're their Christmas toy shopping. They have parties. If they come in here and can't can't get what yeah. they want, we've wasted their time. Yeah. And we just can't do that. So yeah, it's it's if you walk up and down the aisles, it's we're full. And if we don't have it, we'll get it. And uh, this is a fun time of year for us. And I know you've shared with me before, Mike, that you've had folks come in here looking for items that they could not find elsewhere. Correct. And that's they came here and you had them. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about being an independent. We we will, we will carry what our customers want. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily always go by what we make the most profit on or what we move the most. is what do the customers want. Yeah. And we make sure we have it because without the customers, we've got to 
big empty building. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we're don't not that. We're not far uh, from the checkout area here, and it's been a steady stream of customers coming in, making their selections, and checking out. Well, so that's something they'll notice too. We'll have the registers open. There won't be lines. We'll be getting people in and out. The yeah. time is valuable. Yeah, we're we're keenly aware of that. So yeah. uh, you know, please come see us. You know, even if it's the last minute thing you got to run in for, we will have it. Mike, we'll it's these attention to details like that to really deliver the best customer experience. That's what makes companies successful. You guys know that. Yeah, if you don't, if you ever forget that the customer's the boss, you've got a problem. Yeah. They can they can shop anywhere. Yeah, and exactly. And today, even more with the Internet and how easy it is, yeah. you know, we, we've got to make sure we take care of our customers. Well, it's, it's clear you guys understand that, and you put it into practice, and the thing I always like about coming here is all your um, all your team they're always smiling they're always happy they're always have a positive interaction with the customers we're very blessed yeah We've got great unbelievable people. great Mike, thanks for having us here we'll talk to you later on the program and thanks for what you do for homes of hope we're stepping aside for a break right here it's time for Super Talks News and Fox News. In the next hour, we've got Representative Kent McCarty, Chad Hill from Citizens Bank, and and then in the final hour, Representative Missy McGee. Stay with us. Have a happy holiday. Everyone dancing merrily in the new Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. back everyone hour two of midday super talk mississippi we are once again coming at you live from hattiesburg mississippi we're at the corner market on hardy street we're here for the toy drive for the homes of hope for children and uh i tell you what will this place it's just steady steady traffic steady customers in here making their purchases and more folks coming by and donating toys. We've got a big box right next to the uh, Element Well studio set up here, the corner market just inside the door. Uh, if you're in the area, please come on by and make your toy donations and help out these children so they can have a, a blessed and happy Christmas. They, they deserve that when you're a child. So we uh, want you to come on by. Joining us now, Chad Hill, Vice President and the Branch Manager for Citizens Bank. Chad, uh, thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it's a great cause. This Homes for Hope is a unique deal, and and I think the the blessings that uh, the organization has bestowed upon these children that come from these really tough circumstances. No, no child should have to endure that, and the. the the generosity and the of the house parents. I mean, it's just a really good structure. It really is. It's a it's a great local organization that you know we've always enjoyed being a part of, helping support the toy drive for. And um, but yeah, like you said, it's it's unique, and they're just doing some really good and special things for for some kids that really deserve it. So. Yeah. So uh, 
what's your role exactly at Citizens Bank? I know you're VP and you're your branch manager for uh, the Hattiesburg yep. branch here. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of oversee our, our Hattiesburg market uh, for the bank, and um, you know, in in, the, in our both lending and and deposit um, presence here, and um, just get to kind of drive that that yeah. forward. Yeah. Sure. Uh, how how's it going? <laughs> no, no, that's kind of a, a wide open question. But I've been talking this morning, as we do almost every day, about all sorts of of uh, issues in the in the economy, and and certainly with the, the Fed. I don't think anybody was surprised with the fifty basis point rate hike. But uh, as I've shared with the audience, it's always the remarks from the chair that you know that come after right. the FMOC meets, where the economists, the bankers, the investment community is tuned in trying to look for any kind of hints but i heard that word ongoing which is one they always look for and when when you've got a uh, a rate hike posture and you hear ongoing that typically signals we got more rate hikes coming yeah uh, i i think that's the general consensus kind of you know what you're alluding to it that we're 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 not done with the rate hikes yet we're we're not uh we're not over the hump necessarily with the inflation, even though you know it, we saw it it tick down just a bit. Uh, I guess with the most recent numbers, but um, it's you know it's been a while since we've seen seen inflation like this in in our country, and it uh, I think it's easy to to uh, to forget that it's it's pretty tough to to combat and takes a little bit of time, and so I think we're I think we still have a little bit little bit of work to do to to get it under control. What are you guys talking about in in the financial industry with respect to this uh, uh, really a, a rate environment that we hadn't seen in ten twelve years? That's right, we haven't. Um, and you know, it's it's interesting because we talk about that a lot right now. Rates certainly have gone up a good bit from what we've been used to. Like you said, we've been in in this really low rate environment for for ten or twelve years now. Mm-hmm. But um, everybody is is quick to to look at um, you know mortgage rates, for example. They've They've um, they've at one point doubled from what they were a year ago. They've come down a, a little bit since then, but still are significantly higher than they were 12 months ago. But um, if you if you look, I mean, the, the rates still are, are kind of around the historical average for what mortgage rates have yeah. been. So it's not that that they're they're bad. It's just that that it's just different from what we have been seeing for for quite a while now. So. Yeah, I think it's the combination of that and and rising home prices are, are kind of a double whammy. Uh, t- obviously, typically when rates are rising, you start to see the home prices uh, pull back. But we we've just seen such a dramatic increase in residential real estate and you combine that with higher rates and that just makes for a, uh, a, a payment scenario that it may not be affordable or, or maybe the buyer has to step down in terms of the value of the house. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, both of those things working together definitely make, uh, you know, buying a newer home potentially more expensive if, you know, you know depending on whether you're looking at, at upgrading or, or, or what you're doing with yeah. your home purchase. But um, I think it just means that people are really having to uh, give some, some real consideration to what their budget looks like and, and what what fits their family yeah. but um i still think it's it's pretty we're still in a pretty manageable okay uh environment it's just not it's just not quite as good as it was a year or two ago yeah well hopefully we'll see some pullback in inflation i think the fed is, is certainly counting on that and if you parse jerome powell's remarks 
he feels like we got a long way to go, uh, and so I think we're going to continue to see rate hikes, but maybe not quite as aggressive. No, hopefully, no more 50 or 75 basis point hikes. Here's hoping. Here's hoping we get to where we can level out a little bit and, and get this under control, and, and and like I said, get to to a more you know more manageable rate scenario. Yeah. Uh, how do you compete uh, at Citizens Bank? What, what's uh, kind of your calling card and, and your differentiator? Uh, it's it's a it's a crowded market. Obviously, consumers have lots of choices, as do businesses with uh, whom they choose to bank. What what do you sell? Yeah, so that's exactly right. It's it's super competitive. The, the banking environment um, is, and uh, you know we. We're certainly competitive on on rate and term for for people, but but our real differentiating factor is is our customer service and the the, the attention we're able to give give to our customers um, and just the the amount of work and length of, of, of effort we'll put in uh, to really do what we know is right for them and and try and put them in the best situation we can. So um, that's really our our um, our focus every day is is trying to do do the best we can for our customer and. Um, you know, I, we feel like if you if you can focus on that and really make that a priority, that that can make the difference. Uh, you know, not only for our customers but but for the bank as well. You know, in this uh, digital world that we live in, Chad, I think we're all accustomed to conducting much of our our business, uh, even our our financial business, uh, on our remote devices, our phones, our computers, etc. Et but there are situations for which there's no substitute for that face-to-face interaction. You still see a lot of that, I assume. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's the technology is great. It's we're at a really, you know, really cool point in time where you know we can use technology in all sorts of facets of life to make make things easier, or connect you with people that um, that make your life easier. But I don't think there's ever really going to be a replacement for that that personal interaction, like you mentioned, and just the the personal expertise that people can give, especially during large. Um, large life events. If you're yeah. buying a home, that's a major, that's a major life event. If you're starting a business, that's a major life event. If you're trying to figure out how to, you know, uh, pay for even things like family vacations, Christmas, you know, kids college, those type of things, uh, those are still really big, important decisions that that families are faced with every day. And and there's a point at which you want to be able to go and sit down and talk with somebody. No doubt. Um, and and so we really try to. To like I said, highlight that and 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 use the technology in a way that connects people for those big conversations. A couple of minutes left. What about the economy here in the Hattiesburg and and uh, the Pine Belt? Yeah, uh, Hattiesburg is a is a great place to to live and do business. You know, our economy tends to be pretty resilient. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, we've got several different forms of industry or, or you know uh, occupation here obviously with the unit we you know two universities and yeah. um health two, two hospitals mm-hmm. yeah and, and uh, uh with and the Hattiesburg clinic as well and uh jones companies you know opening their uh, we're breaking ground on their headquarters uh here in midtown and um there's just like i said there's a lot of a lot of different things we've got some uh, you know manufacturing with kohler uh here and so uh, so we tend to we tend to weather downturns pretty well, um, and so that's that's always comforting and, and good to know. And uh, so I, I think even even if things maybe slow down or, or return to a little more normal pace, I think Hattiesburg is still well positioned to do well and take advantage of it. It sure seems like just you know anecdotally observing the area driving through. 
it seems like there's a lot of activity, always a lot of traffic, new construction, all the buildings and, and stores seem to be occupied and <clears throat> humming along. Yeah. Seems like a good place. It is. It's uh, it's a great place. Like I said, it's a great place to work and a great place to live. And, and uh, there's uh, there's a lot of good things happening in Hattiesburg, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue that way for a while. Chad, enjoy talking to you. Thanks for what you guys do for the community and, uh, of course, for Homes of Hope for Children as well. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll step aside for a break right here. We're in the Element Well Studios down at the Corner Market on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. When we return, we've got Representative Kent McCarty. Stay with us. That keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. One, two, one, two, three. Whatever happened to a Saturday night when you're at the job and you felt all right? It don't seem the same since Cosmic Light came into my life. I thought I was Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi, broadcasting live from the Corner Market on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're here for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. And joining us now, Representative Kent McCarty represents District 101, the vice chair of the House Education Committee. Representative McCarty, thanks for coming on and uh, joining us here in the Corner Market on uh, Middays. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. What a great uh, organization this is in the uh, based here in the Hattiesburg area, and great work they always do for Homes of Hope. Look at this box over here. It's, it's filling up, <laughs> and we just got started. The That's people great. in the community are so generous in responding to the call, and uh, Mike Salden, the COO, uh, the Roberts companies that operate the corner markets uh, was on a couple of segments ago and said that getting numerous calls from people wanting to know, can we come down? You're going to be there. We want to make a donation. And, and he says that's unprecedented. So people are responding. And in this time of year especially, we don't want any child to go without having a, a happy, a healthy, a, a stable home for Christmas. I mean, it's just part of growing up and if if we could only take stock of the fact that when you have that kind of stability as a youngster you're going to be a productive adult as well and if you don't it, it's just more difficult uh to uh, achieve success as an adult and that's why we want them to to have a, a good happy merry christmas but appreciate you coming on it's hard to believe there i uh, can't but you guys are going to be down at the Capitol here in about two and a half weeks starting this rodeo all over again. That hard to believe is an understatement. It feels like we just left. I know. I know. And, and you know, we're in a state where we only meet essentially three months. Mm-hmm. So we have a relatively short uh, session compared to many of them. 
But uh, you guys cram a lot of stuff in that three-month period of time. Maybe too much. So look, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too much. We, we walk away every year seeing uh, the number of bills that get filed, uh, approaching 3,000 right. typically, in which uh, I think is probably a little, a little much, uh, to say the least. And of course, many of those never see the light of day on the floor and don't get out of, of committee. But We're thankful for that, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, you'd be spending some late nights in the Capitol. Which would be fine, but I'm more thankful that some of the ideas. In right, this right. And they don't need to get to the floor. Don't That's exactly floor. right. Yes, yeah, good point. What's uh, what's on the uh, horizon, you think? What are you focused on this year? Um, well, this uh, this session, I think, will be probably a little less eventful than the last. I agree. We, we crammed a lot. I mean, you know, you've already alluded to this. We crammed a lot of stuff into the 2022 session. I think it was a really productive session. Um, it'll be hard to, to top that, I guess, in terms of big ticket items. But, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll still, we'll hopefully still get a lot of good stuff done. And, um, you know, there, we were, I was talking with some other representatives yesterday about this, but, you know, last year, this time, I think we had like three or four big things that we knew were coming um, that, you know, that we were all kind of had been working on um, between medical marijuana legislation, the tax cut. Uh, the, the teacher pay raise from last year was one of the, you know, yeah. the largest in, in our history, um, and we had all that kind of stuff percolate. And this session feels a little quiet. I think there's still yeah. there's still time to get you know some good stuff done. And um, there's a couple of things in education that seem smaller, less exciting, I guess. Than the, the, you can only have one historic teacher pay raise, you know, <laughs> right. every few years. Uh, but but I think we've got a couple of good things coming up that that I'm kind of making excited to work on. And, um, you know, I have described it as well, even right after the session and, and folks we talked to from the legislature and the statewide folks as well, as, as an eventful session, as you just said. I, that is, I think, a good way to describe it. But I've pointed out to, to everyone that the one piece of unfinished business, I thought, that we might get something on is the, the citizen-initiated ballot measure process. We couldn't get congruence between the House and the Senate on that. And the main sticking point there was the the number of signatures required to uh, get a get a ballot certified by the Secretary of State, uh, a measure, I'm sorry, cert- certified by the Secretary of State and on the ballot. Uh, do you think we're going to get some action on that this year? I hope so. I mean, I think that was one of the, you know, like you said, that was one of the big, um, I think, I mean, I'll say one of the big failures of the, of an otherwise pretty productive session was that that, you know, we didn't get anywhere on that. And um, I think that's a real shame. I think people, you know, I mean, first of all, people have come to expect that right. in Mississippi that we would have a, a way to put something on the ballot if the citizens chose to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that, that our that our you know our people want and, and frankly deserve. So I hope we're able to get back to that and um, you know try to finish that up. I think that the like you said the the big issue was on the number of signatures, and I think there's been plenty of time you know in the in the interim to figure out what number works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean you know. I I think you would agree with this. I think we need it needs to be an attainable number. I think setting it some, you know, setting it too low is, would be irresponsible, but setting it too high would be kind of foolish and mm-hmm. kind of a you know, you know, a slap in the face to the to the people to say, yeah, you can do this, but you know, half the state has assigned the ballot initiative. That doesn't make any sense. Half people don't vote. So, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, if you're going to require every registered voter to sign an initiative, you, you, yeah. it's really not much of, a, of an initiative process. Right. So, um, I really I hope that that's that's one thing I think we really need to address this session. Um, and, you know, there's been some talk, I think, uh, amongst the people that were working on that legislation last session to try to bridge that gap. Um, but, 
I think that's something that, that we really need to, to tighten up and, and finish this year. The lieutenant governor has been discussing the idea of uh, a, a one-time tax rebate, if you will, and had, and had Senator Josh Harkins on the program uh, as well a couple of days ago discussing that. Do you feel like that's uh, got some interest in the House? Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, on the House side, we've more been talking about, you know, more long-term tax relief, mm-hmm. um, which I think is probably the direction we'll we'll go. I know there was some talk last session about doing the, you know, making a rebate part of whatever tax proposal we end up passing, and I think you know, I, I think there's some merit to that. But I think the 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 opportunity now is to look at restructuring the tax, the whole tax code of Mississippi, and doing it in a responsible way. I think what we did last session was a really good start. And, yeah. Um, you know, again, that that was something that the House and Senate were so far apart on initially, and we were able to get some resolution on that with both sides, you know, overwhelming support, bipartisan support in both chambers. Um, so I think that, you know, we'll see you know, our budget still looks really good. I think there's a lot of uncertainty on the horizon with um, inflation and just with a lot of the COVID stimulus money kind of working its way through the system. And um, so making sure that we do it in a sustainable way is really important. But I think between the very smart people in the House and the very smart people in the Senate, we can, uh, we can find a way to do that that provides some real relief to taxpayers, but also, you know, in a responsible, sustainable way. Yeah, I agree. Something else, you know, that is probably worth discussing for a bit is uh, the ABC. Mm-hmm. It's still a problem, as yeah. I think you well know. And, and it seems like everywhere that I go, I, I, I hear discussions about that, uh, both at the retail level and in the uh, in, in the uh, retail uh, of packaged liquor level and also those that buy from ABC that are in the restaurant uh, business that, that serve alcohol, still a problem. Right. Uh, we got to do something. I, I agree. And I think, you know, this is that's we, we laughed last session. I think the House, we had basically three distinct proposals, and we just passed all three and just said, let's do something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and that's what's so frustrating about it is, is everybody agrees that that's a problem. Yeah. And whether they're in on it from the business side or on the government side of it, we all want to fix it, and then we just can't seem to get there at the end because there are so many competing interests there in are. doing it. And and I think that's a shame because the ultimately the, the, the people, the consumers are paying the price, and then the the you know, business owners are the ones with the headache of having to deal with all of it. And, and they're paying the price in different ways. And they're they're paying the price on, on lost business and headaches and just general, you know, disorganization amongst the, the way the system works, complication in the way the system works. So I would love to see us get out of the, the, the state, get out of the liquor business, mm-hmm. um, you know, entirely. And that's certainly a position that has some support, you know, but but then it becomes the issue of, well, you know, that's a big chunk There's of revenue. revenue. So, right. That's so, right. So that's the sticking point, and, and I think that's what's frustrating about it is, you know, I think everybody would, would if we could go back and redo it, I, maybe we, we would never get involved in the first place. Totally but, agree. But that's, you know, that's too far gone now, so we've got to figure out a way to do it and, you know, a way, again, that's sustainable for the state. But um, doing what we're doing is obviously not is obviously not working for multiple reasons, and um, I think it's just holding us back. It's holding a, a whole sector of the economy back and hurting business and hurting consumers. And, um, you know, you'd think that's something that we as a very 
you know, Republican state could could all rally around. But <laughs> you know, you make a great point though that there's just a lot of things that are entrenched that uh, we know need to change, but it makes it difficult because they are entrenched. And, and we're out of time here today. But w- one of those is our, our sales tax structure. That's what made it difficult to get total elimination of the right. income tax. It just we had uh, too many situations where we were looking at in the house side raising sales taxes a little bit to uh, offset the loss of revenue from cutting income taxes and that received a lot of um, response uh, in opposition right. of that a lot of response <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> appreciate you coming on there representative Kent McCarty has been our guest here on middays we're at the corner market in Hattiesburg Mississippi we'll we'll look forward to talking to you when the session gets underway Absolutely. Thank forward you. To it. Yep. Thanks so much. coming right back stay with us Super Talk Mississippi. Joining us on Midday Super Talk Mississippi, we are live at the Corner Market in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, trying to get some toys for Homes of Hope for Children. I appreciate Representative Kent McCarty for coming on uh, Middays and giving us a, a bit of a an overview of the prior session and uh, some degree of insight into the coming session. I think he's right; it won't be quite as eventful. As the uh, as the last session was, just a lot of high profile legislation that meandered its way through the uh, the legislature and ultimately was enacted into law. The one issue that didn't make it that I really thought needed to be addressed was the ballot measure process, and it just didn't get the uh, the traction in the Senate needed. Thomas and Greenwood thinks it's a zero-sum game, thinks it's binary, can't understand why we got medical marijuana but not a ballot measure. And it's because they're, they're two totally different things. It's not an either-or. They're, they're mutually exclusive. It's not like, well, we can't have both. Or we can't, uh, we we uh, don't want either. That's not wasn't a decision. It's completely different issues, and completely different reasons for supporting or opposing them. So, uh, Thomas, I think you're off there, man. It's just it's just not. He said if it was presented the way I did, the legislators would be pressured to address it. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> that the way you presented it is it would get would draw the response that I just gave you is that these are not even remotely close to being the same issue. The, again, it's not an either-or. It's not like you, you look in your bank account and you got a balance, and you're trying to, to decide between purchasing uh, multiple items or making multiple purchases, or maybe it's two. In this case, it's just binary two. It, it, it's, it's, it wasn't like that. It's, it's not like, well, if you, 
if you pass medical marijuana, you can't have a ballot measure process. Or if you pass a ballot measure process, you can't have medical marijuana. And, and your characterization of it as being prioritizing one issue over another is just false. It's just not true. Sorry. Not with you on that one. They prioritize weed is what Thomas and Greenwood said. No, that's just not true. Again, it's not like, gosh, if... If we, if we uh, pass medical marijuana, we're not going to be able to get a ballot measure process enacted. No, that was never on the table. That was never a question. I, I don't know where you're coming from on that one, man. Let's see. Jeff in Forest County says, do you, you have to try the corner market catfish. It's only available on Friday. You know, I think we always do the show here. Uh, on Friday, Jeff, and you're absolutely right. And each time I come, I do enjoy the catfish, and it is fantastic. Served right here uh, in the in the in the deli in the kitchen uh, inside the corner market. And I, by the way, Jeff, on the break, I just uh, kind of walked by the uh, the kitchen to to see the delicacies, <laughs> and they once again look awesome. Hmm. So I will probably partake before we get out of here today. Ben from Madison says, just my opinion, but a one-time rebate talking about a one-time tax distribution kind of seems like a cop-out, but maybe I'm off on my assessment. just seems like the citizens would prefer a permanent tax cut over a one-time rebate. And I totally agree with Rep. Uh, McCarthy, the state should not be in the liquor business. So let's talk about the the rebate versus permanent tax reduction, tax reform. I agree with you, Ben. And once again, I'll just remind the audience, such a bill was passed in the House. It did not pass the Senate. And and let's bear in mind that 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 bill that would completely eliminate the income tax also uh, included tax increases on the sales tax side. Two, two main sources of revenue, of course, uh, to the state of Mississippi, income taxes, sales taxes. And the elimination of the income tax was uh, was modeled to be somewhat offset by an increase in, in sales taxes, and, and, and we don't apply sales taxes equitably in the state of Mississippi. Farm implements are taxed different than... Uh, t- t- typical retail type purchases, <clears throat> which are tax different than, of course, automobiles and manufactured housing and um, energy consumed by commercial operations. Uh, farm operations are are exempt from paying those sales taxes. All other commercial entities pay sales taxes on their consumption of energy. Uh, that's just some of them. And then, of course retirees in the state of Mississippi are actually retirement income, not retirees, because even if you're retired, some income is subject to uh, income tax but as categorized, but retirement income, Social Security, pensions, etc., 401Ks, those are not, those income level uh, streams are not subject to income tax. So it's it's more nuanced, it's more complicated than that. What I think most people want, and even the governor has suggested, is we should be able to eliminate the sales tax, pardon me, the income tax, the income tax, without increasing any other taxes. I'm all for that. I would love to see a working 
a working, um, substantiated, valid model to do so. If if someone can produce that, then I'm all for it. I just haven't seen it yet, and I've called for it for over a year. But to this point, I've not seen anyone come forward with a working model. Now, what you'll hear then from from folks uh, that that uh, support total elimination of the income tax, and I'm one of them, without any sort of offsetting increases in sales taxes, so-called consumption taxes, you'll hear this. You'll hear a cry for reduction of spending. Okay, well, reduction of spending, when you think about half of our spending going to education, we just enacted pretty significant pay increases for teachers. Well, that's going in the wrong direction. Should we cut pay for teachers? Well, most people would say, well, we need to start cutting pay for administrators. Okay. We need to consolidate school districts. Okay, let's get a plan together. Let's let's get a working model on exactly how to accomplish that, and that should include and be accompanied by all the financial details. How much money does that save? What are the the um, qualitative uh, aspects of that? What are the qualitative results of that, either positive or negative, when you start consolidating school districts and, and cutting it, administrative uh, headcount or administrative pay? It, uh, yeah, I think it is bloated. I think we need to, to make some adjustments there. My concern, however, is that even if you did that to some reasonable degree, you're, you're going to find that that's not going to be sufficient to offset the loss of revenue for from income taxes. So it's, it's a complicated matter. Uh, I'm all for it. I just would ask that someone produce a model that would uh, show exactly how that would work. Otherwise, I, I, I can't get behind it. I need to see something in writing, uh, something that is reasonable, that shows all the economic details and financial aspects of that, to, to to really to support it, and that's where we are. And I, and I, I haven't seen. If you guys have seen that, let me know. I haven't seen anything to that effect right now. Uh, Mo says Thomas used to get JT fired up. According to Thomas, a politician is not conservative unless they agree with him one hundred percent of the time. I, and you know, I hear you, Mo's, and that and that's uh, that, that's fine. Except uh, I would just add to it that I think that's the way our country has kind of evolved. On, on, uh, from all economic, uh, pardon me, political persuasions and, and, and just groups that everybody kind of gets in their corner and, and has their specific beliefs, their unique beliefs. And, and they kind of are of the opinion that he who or she who does not align and agree with me, well, they're just idiots. They're stupid. <laughs> and it comes from both sides, honestly. And there's just no, doesn't seem to be any room for uh, any kind of alignment or or, or common ground or, or maybe just departure from that purity. And therefore, nothing gets done. That's exactly where we are in this country. We can't find any agreement, any congruence, any consensus on hardly anything, certainly uh, with respect to economic policy, tax policy, especially at the federal level. We just talked about that. The Democrats... Their top priority is making permanent the pandemic-era child uh, tax credits. 
And Republicans, with whom I side with in this uh, arena, they want to make permanent the, the Trump tax cuts and and the immediate expensing provisions, and they oppose this minimum 15% corporate tax, which I think is a huge boondoggle and going to be destructive to our economy and, and numerous other provisions as well that uh, they oppose. So I'm, I'm in alignment with the Republicans here. But just in general, it just seems like we've gotten to our corners and we point fingers elsewhere and we can't seem to get together on anything. Taking a break here on Middays, the Element Well Studios are down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi at the Corner Market. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. We're in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, at the corner market on Hardy Street for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. Please come on out and give some toys. Put them in the box, the big box right next to us here. Uh, in the Element Well Studios, it's filling up. Folks are coming in here, Will, and and so generous in uh, depositing toys in the box for the children at Homes of Hope, and always turning uh, to me here in the Element Well Studios and giving the thumbs up with a smile on their face as they do it. So we we're very appreciative of that, and very appreciative for them responding to the call. So we were just talking in the last segment about uh, the the income tax and. Uh, in the state of Mississippi, we did get uh, what I have called a down payment on elimination, ultimate elimination of the income tax in in Mississippi, and uh, just discussed that there was a plan for that. The House offered. It was the first bill that they passed through the House. It did not really get uh, any traction, any support, sufficient support, I should say, in the Senate. I think there were some senators that were on board to, to get it passed in the Senate and then headed to the governor's office for signature. That did not happen. But that particular bill did call for the increase in sales taxes. And, of course, in Mississippi, as we discussed, sales taxes are not levied uh, consistently across the board. It just depends on who the, the buyer is and what the commodity is being purchased. For example, farm equipment purchased by farmers is subject to a lower rate than the standard 7% state sales tax rate. So on the ceasefire tax line, check Tennessee, no state income tax and 7% sales tax, in parentheses, I believe. It is true that the state of Tennessee does have a 7% state sales tax, but unlike the state of Mississippi in Tennessee, most of the counties and municipalities also layer on an additional sales tax component 
And so the, it turns out the average sales tax in the state of Tennessee is 9.55%, 2.55% higher than the state of Mississippi. So though there is no sales, uh, pardon me, no income tax, residents of the state of Tennessee, Tennessee do in fact pay considerably higher sales taxes. So it, it, look, you got to get they got to get the revenue from somewhere. Uh, states, uh, even even the state of Arkansas. I, I looked at all the adjacent states: Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana, all have higher sales taxes than we do. Florida, which is another state typically pointed to that has no income tax, does have higher sales tax. Uh, also has higher property taxes. The same in in Texas, where property taxes are considerably. Higher. So it's really just a, a matter of where do you want to get the revenue and, and what should be taxed. Most conservative economists and, and conservative-leaning uh, scholars would say that it, it is better, more productive for society when when consumption is taxed versus income, that, that taxing income tends to be uh, a, a disincentive a disincentive to producing more and thus making more income from whatever's being produced in society. And so they, they favor taxing consumption as in, as opposed to taxing income. Now, I mean, that's not anything new. That's, that's a, a, a fairly, uh, that's a fairly entrenched philosophy from uh, conservative economic think tanks for quite some time. But, in the state of Tennessee, you, you see that very, uh, very plainly, very clearly that that the consumption taxes are higher, but there's no income tax. In Mississippi, we have a relatively low sales tax, income tax, and on and in some on some purchases, it's extremely low. Uh, automobiles, for example, vehicles are subject to a much lower rate of tax than are um, purchases of uh, other commodities so uh, that's how we get there i just don't think there's any appetite for that and i think that's why we are going to really struggle to ultimately see elimination of the income tax in the state of mississippi because i I think it is going to require some other form of revenue and that that usually uh, from a state basis is is going to be looked at from sales taxes i just don't think there's a broad appetite for that um to get that done didn't we hire those legislators to come up with a plan thomas and greenwood says well yeah thomas but uh, let's see if we said to the legislature we we want you to make us all billionaires i'm depending on you to come up with a plan to make us all billionaires or how about make people fly I mean, there has to be some reasonableness test and what is practical and plausible included in that equation as well. We're taking a break right here on Middays, coming back with Representative Missy McGee. Stay with us. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are at the corner market on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. Come on by and see us. Lots of folks coming in and making donations in the big box right next to the Element Wealth Studios here in the corner market. We certainly appreciate that. Joining us now, Representative Missy McGee. She represents District 102. That includes Forest and Lamar counties. Serves as the vice chair of the Public Health and Human Services Committee. Is that still correct? That is correct. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. This has kind of become a Christmas tradition with us here. We appreciate you coming back through. Well, we're glad to be here. This is a great company uh, located here in the Pine Belt, and they, they have have taken upon as a cause to work with the Homes of Hope. They do a fantastic job for them. And, of course, COO Mike Salden on the program earlier talking about folks calling in, wanting to know where do we go, how do we get these toys to the kids, all of whom deserve to have a happy, healthy, safe Merry Christmas. Well, there, there is no doubt. And I listened to your segment with Mike. Um, you know, Corner Market and the Roberts family have um, been so generous to um, the Hattiesburg community for generations, really. And so we are thrilled. I look at this big box sitting next to us full of toys for Homes of Hope and yeah. for those kids, and that's just that's really what it's all about. No so, doubt about so it. So we are, we are very grateful. Um, we have a very generous community, and um, we're grateful to Corner Market and the Roberts family for um, leading, leading this today. No doubt about it. Great Mississippi County. So it's hard to believe that. Representative McGee, but you're going to be playing representative here again pretty soon, uh, two and a half, three weeks away. It, yes, less than Is that three, right? three Okay. Less, it, it's less than three weeks away. It has <laughs> it has flown by, but I think I think we're all ready to to get back and get back to work. Yeah, and it's election year. It is indeed. You're running for re-election. Yes, I am. Okay, I am indeed. So, um, so yes, it, it has flown by this year. You know, last year I sat here with you and we talked about the 2022 session and all the things that we had to do: mm-hmm. um, teacher pay raise, redistricting, medical marijuana, ARPA allocation, um, income tax uh, cut, or and and those things. And I remember you saying last year, "I don't think y'all can do it all." And mm-hmm. and, and I said, "Surely we'll get that done, <laughs> Gerard." But I think I, you struck a you struck a, a chord of fear in me. Well, but, okay. but we had, but we did. We had a really productive session in 2022. Um, the the only thing that that I hope that we that we didn't get done um, in terms of big issues that I hope that we can come back and get done this year is the ballot initiative. And I heard you talk to Kent about that in, yep. at a, in one of your earlier segments. So um, so yeah. So that last year was a big year, and um, I think this year looks a little bit a little bit different. Um, but. To me, the most um, one of the biggest issues is really this historic surplus in our state revenue that we're coming into this year, and um, so you know, how will we spend that ex- that that additional money? And you know, I think currently we're five hundred million dollars over the estimate for this year, and we're only five months into our fiscal year. Yeah, so we're looking at another potential billion dollar surplus, That's right. which we certainly would would not have anticipated not so long ago, uh, usually on the other side of that, trying to figure out how to make ends meet. We got a, a flush rainy day fund and a surplus, and uh, we're not borrowing money, and we're meeting our obligations, and and, and that's uh, on top of that, we had a, a handsome uh, teacher pay raise, which I think was a long time in coming. So, yeah, th- those are all uh, good news points there, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm glad to hear you talk about the uh, citizen ballot measure process and 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 just to be uh, fair 
I didn't mean to put, and I know I didn't put Ken on the spot. I've asked everybody that. You know, since the session ended, I just felt like that was the one piece of unfinished business that just didn't didn't get over the finish line before we got out of there. And so I, I'm hoping, and I and I think, and I hear it a lot, Representative McGee, from lots of citizens that they want to see something uh, go on there. I thought we had a good bill in the House. We just couldn't get it through the That's Senate. Right. Well, you know, we we jumped out and passed that pretty early in the session, like yeah. the House did. Yeah. Felt like we had a really a really good bill. Um, we were disappointed in the end that we couldn't come to terms on that. I think the deal breaker was the number of signatures that um, the 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 House and the Senate could not come together on the number of signatures that we um, that would be required to get an initiative on the ballot. Um, the Senate had a much higher number. I think maybe two and a half times what we had. We felt like that was an uh, too high of a a bar for citizens to have to um, get over, mm-hmm. and um, in the end, we just couldn't come to terms. That was sort of the line in the sand. But um, but I'm really hoping that that this year, you know, we've had a, a year to work on it and, and folks think about it. And so I really hope that we will get that across the finish line in 2023. I think that's very important, and our citizens expect us to do that. Have you been in contact with any of your friends over in the Senate about that? Uh, because that's where we had the. Uh, I guess the ultimate hurdle just that we couldn't cross over. You're, yeah, you're right. And I, you know, I'll be honest. I haven't had a, a conversation since, um, really, since we have adjourned on that. Yeah. So, but, um, but, but certainly, we're all open to those discussions. Okay. And, um, and hopefully, we can come to terms and, and get that done for the people of Mississippi. How do you see the session being potentially different, given that it is an election year from from a non-election year sessions? Well, we, we know we still have, have work to, to do, and it, whether it's an election year or not an election year, obviously the um, we still have to do the work of the people. Um, you know, I don't know it... it I don't. I don't really know how how that will will look for us. I do think an election year does affect uh, the some of the issues that will be discussed yeah. or brought up. But um, but again, I think that we have an opportunity to get a lot of of, of a great of great things done for for the folks in Mississippi. It's just we just don't have those big um, those really big issues that everybody was talking about this time last year. We just don't have a list of those again. But again, I think we have a great opportunity with the surplus. Um, our revenue surplus to to take a look at um, some areas that that you know we we have shown deficits in with that we have not been able to help out areas such such as human services corrections child protective services yeah. mental health those areas I, I would hope that we can sort of look those over and um, and hopefully make improvements to those areas where we have not had the funding to do that um, in the past as you know there have been uh, a hearing or two about the the hospital situation in the state of Mississippi which seems to be worsening uh, by the day certainly reports from uh, um, Department of Health Dr. Edney he has uh, made some very dour predictions if if something doesn't change what do you think is going to happen there is is the legislature going to get involved in this has there been any ideas talked about there so that is a concern and certainly you know with hospitals in the delta closing and um, and you know 
and, and throughout the state, really, yeah. there are areas that, that hospitals we know are struggling. You know, Hattiesburg is a major medical community, and thankfully, um, our hospital system is 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 strong. Our hospitals in, in Hattiesburg are strong, mm-hmm. but it is certainly a concern, a public health concern statewide. Yeah. So I am hoping that there are some issues that that we can take a look at and address for um, hospitals. You know, we still have about three hundred million dollars in ARPA funds that have not been allocated, mm-hmm. and um, and my hope is that we will be able to um, provide some additional funding for hospitals through what is remaining in our ARPA funds. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that our hospitals is, are looking for uh, um, long-term uh, solutions as well. And so I think those are all issues that we will have to consider because, um, I mean, we certainly know that there are um, there are access to um, access to care issues throughout the state, and mm-hmm. and, um, and that that is a concern, a public health concern, no doubt. Uh, what about the idea of expanding Medicaid? Do you think that gets on the table again? Will that be revisited? Seems like it is every session, right? So I think that you have heard from um, our leadership uh, that that I, I think it's highly unlikely that we will take up expansion of Medicaid this okay. year. But I do, I am hopeful that we can perhaps move the bar on extension of postpartum benefits for mothers from two months to a year. Um, we know that you know we're living in this post-Dobbs um, time now, and I think this is a very important time that we could really look our hand over and see where we could make um, impact, and we could, when we where we can impact citizens. Um, on that issue, and I think for me, it's very important. Women's health and child for children and women is, I think, it's the perfect time for us to look at that. Um, the the cost for us to expand uh, uh, coverage for for mothers, for Medicaid mothers, from from sixty days to a year is is not very great. Six to seven million dollars. Yeah. And I think that um, the the impact of that is is so great, and the price tag is, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot. So, Seems like there's some support for that on the Senate side as well. Well, yes, definitely. Yeah. And um, I think that they have said as, as much, and I think the lieutenant governor has said that. But um, So I, I, I'm hopeful that we can move the bar on um, expanding postpartum care, and I think that would be a first step in um, really helping helping our citizens and helping moms and helping children in Mississippi um, that, you know, we I, I think that's something. We are only one of two states that have not either um, provided postpartum coverage to 12 months. We'll be talking more about it. For sure. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for coming on, Representative Missy McGee has been our guest on Middays. Coming back with Luke Johnson, host of the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Check, check one. Where's all my Back in the Element Well Studios, Super Talk Mississippi. 
We're at the Corner Market in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Trying to get some toys in here for Homes of Hope for Children. And joining us now is Luke Johnson, host of the Eagle Hour, as Scary Gary shoots a photo of Luke and I in the Element Well Studios. <laughs> Luke, good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, glad to be here. Uh, we're going to do Eagle Hour after after you here. And it's piled up, gifts and food coming in. Just uh, Gary was helping a, a local church that was bringing some food in for the kids. So great cause today. No doubt. Uh, Mississippians are so generous, and uh, the Pine Belt, no exception to that. Folks coming in here steadily since we've been on the air. And, and uh, Mike Souden, of course, the COO of the Roberts Company, which operates the, the Great Corner Market, said that, that folks are actually calling wow. and wanting to know where do we go, how can we help. And uh, he said that's unprecedented. So Absolutely. that's pretty cool, isn't it? It is. And uh, Mr. Giannini, former athletic director for Southern Miss, he's been the acting director. And, uh, you know, Judge Mazingo's coming in. And we've had them on our show the last couple weeks because, you know, just some of the, some, some of the fog that happened uh, this fall, and I'm sure you you referred to that some. Yep. The way it gets lost in that is that the kids that didn't have anything to do with any of that. And so I think people especially this month, have realized, uh, have, have had that come back to their mind and just say, no, man, this is for kids. Yeah. And these kids, we're going to take care of them. And I've, we, we love doing this show every year, and I know you've been here the last several years. Yep. It's just cool as the day goes on to see people come in. They'll never meet these kids. That's right. Um, they probably, you know, will never meet the, the, the home parents, but they want to give uh, to help people out. And, and you know, let's be honest about it, Luke. Kids, they deserve, if I mean, just the simple necessities of life. And many of these children that end up in the homes of hope, they don't live in such an environment. They don't. I can relate to that in a little way. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm adopted. And um, I was born to a single mother in New Orleans, and then about a month later I was adopted. So I grew up my whole life in, in, a, in a new family. But, you know, I, I think about... Um, you know how how others provided for me, even though I wasn't you know their physical kin. And so, uh, you know, an organization like this that we're sponsored today is so important, and uh, kids know that they're loved. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I didn't know that about you. I'm glad you shared that. So, besides hosting the Eagle Hour, you got another job outside of that as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, several things. So uh, I'm I, I co-pastor a church up in Laurel Cross Point Church, um, and I travel uh, extensively. People will. Now, tune in the Eagle Hour, and I won't be around for for a few weeks. And that's because I, I do a lot of mission work in India, mm-hmm. and um, also working on a PhD right now. So just a little bit yeah. going on. You shared that with me, I think, when we were in, in Colombia yeah, for the remote. Right. You yeah. talked to me. So did I overhear you a second ago talking to uh, was it Gary or somebody about a recent trip you made to India? Yeah, Is I was that in, true? I was there in October. Yeah, I was uh, I missed. Uh, I was out about three weeks. Um, before COVID, for the last decade, I spent two or three months every year in India, and. Um, you know, working with pastors, we sponsor pastors. We work with guys. Uh, we we hike in the Himalayas to, to villages that have never heard the gospel. Take care of orphans and do all kinds of awesome things like that. But yeah, I was at, thankful to be able to get in, uh, in October because I hadn't been haven't been in quite a while. Yeah, and I uh, was thankful to be, to be there. So uh, one of my friends at home works with an organization you may be familiar with, uh, whose whose mission is just to get Bibles in the hand. Yeah. Hands of folks in India that aren't familiar with it, don't know anything about it. It's really just spreading the word and making uh, the good book available to them. Uh, I, I was a little stunned to hear the story there. 
I've, I've uh, many people, um, even in especially a lot of the villages in North India. After I'll, I'll share the gospel, and you know we hang out with people, and but just ask: Is this the first time you've ever heard the name of Jesus, or have you ever heard this story before? And many will say, "This is the first time." You know, first time. So um, maybe I've heard of Christmas, but totally, you know, don't understand it this time yeah. of year. But able to share, you know, the story, and uh, I, I love doing that. Just we, we call it first contact. To be able to you know tell people about the hope that that's in Christ. That's, that's awesome. Stuff. Yep, so important. All right, so USM headed to a bowl game. Tell us about that. It's it's wild right now at Southern Miss, um, and I say that to say it's it's an upswing. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about mention this at the end, but basketball's blowing it out of the water. But but Will Hall in year two was five points away from winning eight games. He was twelve points away from winning nine games. Hmm. But they they are uh, f- you know five hundred. They won that last game against Monroe and. First time Eagles have been bowling since since 2019. Uh, Mr. Giannini, when he was the athletic director and, and I played, I mean, we went to a bowl every year. It was yeah. just kind of an expectation. Um, but they've been they, they got to uh, to Mobile uh, on on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday when it was a little warm. They they went to the beach, went to Dolphin Island. Uh, they got a <laughs> good morning. for them. Yeah, good for them. Saw the battleship. Did some community service yesterday. Uh, really really cool here. Uh, Jeff Kelly, who actually won this bowl in 2000, they beat a TCU team that was undefeated with LaDamian Thompson. Yeah. Southern Miss has been practicing at his high school, at Saraland High School, where he's the head coach. There's just a lot of a lot of connections uh, this week. <laughs> well, do you think this is uh, – would you be say – would you characterize it as being pleasantly surprised about Will Hall, or is this what you expect? So, a lot of people said – there was over over expectations in year one. A lot of people didn't realize what the roster looked like, and yeah. so transfer portal year two, man, they really beefed up, uh, particularly the defensive side of the ball. I think a lot of people back in December 2020 when he was introduced, if you would have said, you know, uh, losing season year one, probably guaranteed 500 in year two. A lot of people would have said, oh, we'll take that. Yeah. Well, this year they got on a three game winning streak. You know, they're sitting there with five wins, and people are like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and then you lose a couple. Uh, and people are frustrated. So it's almost like six and six. There was mixed feelings about it. The long and short of it is you should be absolutely thrilled you're in a bowl game in year two. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Year three yeah. is usually when you make the biggest okay. stride. And, and Will's kind of said from the beginning, get us year one and maybe get us year two, but year three is when you don't want to play us. We're going to get after you. <laughs> so I, I assume that means you're pretty optimistic about uh, the future. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, they, they got a, another quarterback commitment yesterday, two quarterback commitments. And the other thing you take in uh, to this team this year, Trey Lowe started the last several games, and they've had uh, more offensive production because they were starting freshmen. you know. Yeah. And so you had a revolving door of different quarterbacks and Frank Gore Jr. and the superbacks. So without like consistent quarterback play, you still almost won eight games. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. And I think what Southern Miss fans saw in the last two games particularly with a, with a more – uh, veteran quarterback like like Trey Lowe, they saw the uh, the playbook open up, yeah. And because a lot of people have been frustrated, and Will Hall's been saying we just haven't had the personnel, um, and we haven't had specific spots where we could you know open it up like we saw. Because people remember, man, babe, back in uh, you know twenty twenty, Will Hall and Tulane put sixty six up on the Eagles in the Rock, so they know what a, what a Will offense, a Will Hall offense yeah. is capable of, no doubt. Mike Leach, unbelievable. And so sad, so sad. We are so blessed uh, that he, his path, I guess, intersected with the great state of Mississippi, the head football coach. 
uh, last three years at, at Mississippi State University. He left his mark not only on our state, on Mississippi State, but all of college football. What I've been thinking about, um, just processing it all and listening to to you know guys like Brian Haydad, my, my good friend Jason Crowder that calls Mississippi State sports, the state of Mississippi got to get That's have exactly Mike Leach, right. and and so this is where you know his road ended, you know, and his his legacy in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's West Coast. Yeah, um, you look at where he went to college, and you look at the success he had in, in Texas and at Washington State. But man, like we got to we got to have him, and this is where this will be the epicenter of where his legacy is. Yeah, and uh, there's just there's no way at all that there will ever be anybody um, like Mike Leach, personality wise. I mean, the guy was a lawyer. I mean, the guy taught a Brilliant. class I think on modern warfare at Washington <laughs> State, um, and and just uh, his mind that could have gone in so many ways and would have. Worked well in, in so many career man. He picked football as his passion, um, and he was a guy that uh, you hear all these stories about. You know, kids and and families that people didn't see, and it's coming out all after the fact. I just the way that I've just said it, it's kind of what what you said, man. We got to we got to have uh, the, the the treasure of Mike Leach, the personality and the coach of Mike Leach, yeah. as a state. I was I was uh, blessed to interview uh, Flint Minshew couple of days ago father of course of Gardner Minshew who plays quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and and just that that route that uh, brought them together is is totally fascinating and I think talking to the father of an NFL player like that really makes you understand what sort of relationship he had with players, former players, and just how, how valuable that's been. But we're certainly going to miss him. Uh, I would say the GOAT in post-game press conferences, right? We're going to go ahead and label him that right now. Candy corn, marriage <laughs> advice. Uh, even during the, the you know the the egg ball, they the reporter asked him at halftime. They said, "What do you think about the first half calls?" He's like, "What do you think? You've been watching it." So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a mixed bag of emotions as you mourn with his family and as as Mississippi State does no at the same time. Uh, what a treasure, no doubt. Lou Johnson, host of Eagle Hour, has been our guest. Thanks for coming on, Lou. Melissa Socher, owner of Keith Co. on Middays next. Stay with us. Listening to Middays with Gerard, Gerard Gibbert, here on Super Talk, Mississippi. She said, I've seen you in here before. I said, I've been here a time or two. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk, Mississippi. Live from the corner market on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We're here for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. Joining us now, Melissa Socher, owner of Keithco. Melissa, thanks for coming on Middays. Thanks for having me. It's always such a pleasure, and I, I just always enjoy this show. We have so much fun and do a lot of good. <laughs> it is, uh, it's an awesome day, and, and we have just been very impressed with the steady stream of folks uh, coming in uh, the store today and, and leaving uh, toys and other goods for the Homes of Hope, that box is filled up, and I think there's more to come. It's uh, the, the Roberts Company here, the Corner Market, always so generous, 
to host the show here and, and bring folks in from the, the Pine Belt that are also a very generous community as well, as is your company. So so uh, tell us about your connection to Homes of Hope and, and tell us what you've agreed to do this year in particular. So my husband, Keith, and I, uh, we have the Keith Superstores, and then I have Mississippi Made and More and Louis Luxury Brands as well. And um, everything we ever do in, in charity um, and donations has to do with children. And, and everybody that knows us um, knows that we're all about the kids. Keith and I together have six children. Wow. Uh, three triplet boys that are nine. <laughs> so, we're, you know, we're always on the go. But um, we realize the needs of other children that are less fortunate and do everything that we can to help them. We got involved with Homes of Hope uh, probably about ten years ago. And um, we're monthly donors, and um, we've, you know, kept that up, um, never failing every month for all of these years. And um, we realize that Christmas comes for those kids, too, um, and their needs never stop year-round. And um, this year, um, they fell a little short, and um, I was talking with uh, Mr. Giannini a moment ago, and I said, you know, just like our Eagle Nation um, in Hattiesburg, uh, you answer the call when the call comes in and you help and you do what you can and I know that I, was, I have a thousand people um, in the community that if I need something I can lean on them so um, the needs were expressed to me a couple weeks ago and you know we, we got on the horse and um, got them all the cleaning supplies they needed I called Ryan up here at the corner market and um, they gathered all of the grocery items in multiples um, that the house parents needed and um I sent out runners for, uh, you know, Christmas presents, gathered everything that I needed, um, like from my storage units and my little stores, and um, put out, you know, just put out a social media blast to all of our friends, and um, I saw the boost, you know, just just one person stepping out there along their normal way, um, no extra effort really on my part, um, but it, these boxes, like you said, they're absolutely overflowing, <laughs> and um, you know, the house parents are so wonderful, um, and it takes such special people to take on that, that job and that blessed opportunity. Um, we also have big gift baskets from my, my Mississippi Made and More store for the house parents. That is awesome sure. that is so awesome well uh thank you uh on on behalf of the homes of hope and and obviously the pine belt and everyone in the community mm-hmm. uh such a such a great organization that does great work and then they rely on uh, good people like you and your husband and your company and the and the roberts company of course corner market mm-hmm. uh to to step up and and make some of these dreams a reality and then try to give these kids what they so deserve which mm-hmm. is just a happy, healthy, stable home environment. Mm-hmm. Right. And you answer you know, the call. As you know, um, Judge Tony Mazingo um, has stepped down from his um, judge calling to be director temporarily um, at the Homes of Hope. And in speaking with him, um, he said, you know, he said um, all the children, there's a, a gifter site um, that I've just learned about, and the children went on and picked out what they wanted for Christmas. And um, you sort, it's sort of like a gift registry online, and he told me that. He said, you know, not tooting my horn, but I'm going to toot his horn for him. <laughs> um, his family got together, and instead of exchanging gifts this year, they chose to tackle that list. Wow. For those kids. That's awesome. Yes. That is awesome. Um, and my kids are just overly blessed, you know, um, so why not share it with, you know, kids that are um like i said christmas still comes for them too sure um, sure 
And what about the house parents? Uh, it's uh, incredible the calling and the service that they provide, and they're so critical to, to making all this work. Mm-hmm. And they have children as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's um, it's it's a, a lifestyle commitment. Yeah. Um, but um, just for the folks that don't know much about Home for Hope, it's a permanent home for those children, and they live normally just like your children and my children, and they go to school, and they provide um, football, basketball, baseball, um, everything that um, could possibly be normal for those children. Um, that's the way they live every day, and it's because of people like us um, you know, providing donations and helping them out along the way. And like I said, their needs are year-long. Um, it doesn't stop after Christmas. Yeah. Um, doesn't stop on Sunday or Monday. Um, you know, they have needs year-long. So, you know, we encourage folks to, um, you know, just sign up and give what they can monthly. Mississippians are, are so generous, and, and you're a shining, you and your husband, of course, shining example of that. What what compels you as as a business? You you obviously operate uh, in the community. The community is good to you. The, those those customers uh, for your businesses uh, make your your life possible. Obviously, it's important, isn't it? As businesses that we give back. It is. And um, back to Tony Mazingo, you know his his family. Um, they have the Dandy Dance convenience stores. We have yeah. the Keith Superstores. Yeah. Um, we all come together. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Friendly competition, yeah. but, but you know when there's a need in the community, you all just step up and you all come together and you, you do what needs to be done. And most of the time, um, the Eagle Nation in Hattiesburg, <laughs> we just knock it out of the park. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, pivot a bit. How's business going? What uh, what's it like out there in your world right now? We've had um, even through COVID, we've had flagship years with good. the key superstores, and that's just um, you know we have good people, and when you have good people people anything is possible um like the corner market here they have good people um their people want to be here they, they want to come to work every day um and when you're good to your people people they're good back to you and that's how we um, run all of our stores every day and, and you do get that local feel just like yeah. at the corner market when you come in it's like a second home to you sure um so like i said even through covid we stood strong yeah. In the community. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any plans on the horizon for expansion or otherwise that you can talk to us about? We will break ground after Christmas on a new store in Brooklyn. Okay. So that's that's the next um, venture. And, okay. Um, We've also um, put down on some beautiful plots of land in the community um, that we might just preserve. Um, you know, Keith is in the cattle business, yep. um, so you might just see a lot of cows pop up along a certain <laughs> plot on Highway 49. So uh, okay. <laughs> but just keeping that beautiful. I got you. Like it was. Are all the stores in Mississippi? We have one in Wilmer, okay, uh, which Alabama. is right there. I think most people know that is right by the fruit stand yeah. on the way to the beach. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> on ninety eight there, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, are you plans to go into other states? Uh, we we love this side of Alabama. Um, so if if we did or do, it would probably be in the Foley area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about Louisiana to the west or Tennessee to the north? Thinking about that maybe Thinking in the future? about that in yeah. the future, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? The sky's the limit. And um, usually when we grow, um, we, you know, we're, we've been known to buy out other small family businesses. Okay. Um, and sometimes they might have one to 12 stores, and that's kind of how we can grow uh, quickly. Yeah. Um, 
and um, we're just all about keeping that those family values um, from one family to another. Got you. Yeah, grow through acquisition essentially. Yeah. Yes. So you run across some of these operators that have just gotten to that point where maybe they're they're ready to, to move on, and but they want to make sure that their baby has a good it's home taken care of. Yeah, sure. Right. And right. that's what that's what you guys do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And that strategy. it remains an American. An American business, yeah, American small business. Uh, amen. Uh, very, very important. So while we're sitting here, I've seen some more people come in and, and make some donations and bring some stuff in. Uh, I suspect this is going to go on the rest of the day. I think so. I so, hope so. Yeah. And, and I still have a few more things to bring over. I told Bob I have um, a few teddy bears that would have taken, that would have filled up the whole box. <laughs> and <laughs> I would have had to make the teddy bears duck to get in this front door. Um, but I, I do have a few more things to give. And um, Keith and I, with all of our companies and our people, we're also going to make a, a monetary um, donation okay. so that those house parents can go get exactly what they need. Awesome. And you're going to be on uh, Eagle Hour in a little, little while as yeah, well, no right? stranger to Eagle Hour. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles headed to a bowl game we were just talking about. That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. That's a pretty, pretty good run there for Coach uh, Will Hall. Uh, that's what Luke was just talking about. Didn't expect that to happen this quick. So he says uh, watch out for next year is what the coach says. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. A lot of sports success here in the great state of Mississippi. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you coming on, and, and thanks for your generosity as well, Melissa. Melissa Socher, owner of the Keith Co. Thanks. Merry as Christmas always, to you guys. It my pleasure. Merry Appreciate Christmas. It. Thank you. Stepping aside for a break right here on Middays. When we return, it's Mike Southen, the COO of Roberts Company, Inc., operators of the corner market. Stay with us. But I'm as good once as I ever was. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, at the Corner Market on Hardy Street. We're here for the toy drive for Homes of Hope for Children. And wrapping up the show today with us is Mike Souden, COO of the Roberts Company, operators of the Corner Market. Mike, you were just telling me that you think this is the biggest uh, deal we've seen uh, for the toy drive. I, I, Absolutely. I agree. Without question. Wasn't that unbelievable? What, what Incredible. Co did? Un- Incredible. Yeah, it's in, in, I heard you talk about how generous Mississippi people are, and they really are. No yeah, doubt. When, when there's a need, I mean, these kids need us now more than ever. No doubt. And look at the community turnout. Look what they did. That's, uh, that's, that's incredible. And, you know, something else we should keep in mind, uh, Mike, is that the generosity hasn't has it waned in fact it may have increased even though it's fairly tough difficult yes. uh, economic times well, for people that just speaks to the people of this community of the state yeah it's tough times but you know if if 
the community and the individuals don't take care of these kids, they won't get taken care of. No doubt about this is, it. This is incredible. I mean, we have never had a turnout like this. There's buggies of food. There's boxes and boxes of toys. It's incredible. It's incredible. It really is. Incredible. Well, and and hats off and, and uh, kudos to you and, and the Roberts Company folks and owners and management for uh, allowing us to be here today and, and really promoting this. Uh, honestly, I don't think a lot of people would even know about this were it not for you guys and having us in here and getting the word out and getting the word out. Obviously working because we've been watching people come in here all day. Well, I will tell you, the, the Roberts family are the finest people you'll ever meet. Mr. Roberts uh, started this, and then Forrest and David both have absolutely embraced this. It's part of our culture. Uh, we want to be part of this. It, this is just a – it's our pleasure. We're the yeah. lucky ones to be able to do this. We Appreciate really are. you saying that. And, you know, it's – uh, it's just good to see uh, uh, really grounded Americans, Mississippians succeed and then give back when they succeed. That's really what makes this country tick. Isn't it? And, <laughs> and I think some, some people have forgotten that. Uh, no doubt about it. But, you know, like I said earlier, without the community, we're nothing. No doubt and about this it. Is, this is so great for us to be able to see it. Look at, look at, look at the turnout here. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. And, and Mike, uh, I, I feel you share my view that when we take care of these children like this, we're making an investment in our future. Absolutely. They will grow up and they will be productive adults. And that, yeah, there's, there's no greater cause than what Homes of Hope is doing. Nothing at all. And like I said, if you ever get a chance to go out there to visit, to look at these kids, talk to these kids it'll 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 warm your heart it's incredible and we we discussed it earlier but uh incoming executive director uh judge tony mazingo uh, he's gonna do great in this isn't he i think so too absolutely there's a new uh new direction there yeah but the same mission and the mission's the kids yeah and that's what's yeah. great yeah uh, the Hattiesburg community seems to be pretty excited, as well as should be, about their their success uh, in football. Headed yes. to a, a a bowl game. We got the Eagle Hour coming on next. Uh, uh, certainly. Uh, Melissa from uh, Keith Cove, she's pretty excited about yeah, it. You can absolutely. tell that. Absolutely. Well, you know, when Southern does good, it just brings excitement to the entire community. Yeah. You know, just like the baseball team this year. No I, doubt. Wasn't that great? It's Yeah, it's fun times to be yeah. here. It really is. Yeah, we are we are blessed with some fantastic athletics uh, at the college level in the state of Mississippi. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's going to keep getting better as well. We are, of course, deeply saddened at the passing of uh, head coach of Mississippi State football, Mike Leach. What a tragedy yeah, that has been. But, you know, I, I think we're going to look at it from the perspective that we are blessed for having him um, leave his mark in our state, an indelible mark that we shall never forget, and uh, he made us better. I completely agree. What a fantastic – forget about the football coach for a second. What a fantastic human being. I just Yeah, you're exactly right. No doubt about it. And, and though uh, my allegiance athletically is, of course, to Ole Miss, honestly, it was fitting, was it not, that he went out a winner yes, it was. Uh, in, in the Egg Bowl. And, and so uh, I'm certainly willing to cede that under I, the I circumstances. I think everybody feels that way. Yeah. I really do. Even if you're a diehard Ole Miss fan, your heart's got to say, well, you know, that was meant to be. It was no doubt game. about it. No yeah. doubt about it. Uh, maybe a little divine intervention there, yes, and that, yes. that's, that's perfectly fine as well but uh and i've watched the traffic here is strong today it's been outstanding it's been a good day it's huh been really good it's fun this is our fun time of year yeah. it really is you know we build to this all year long so this this is our chance to to show the community what we can do we can be there for them we'll take care of their christmas and hopefully they'll have a 
an enjoyable shopping yeah. experience. Because let's face it, nobody loves to go into the store and pick up <laughs> groceries. Well, all I can say is when they're when they're coming by with their buggies here, my vantage point, they're thumbs up and they're smiling yeah. and they got full buggies. So I would say you're right, Mike. It's been great to see. They're having a good shopping experience. It's been great to see. Well, look at look at our people. Our people are smiling. They're that's, fantastic. That's what it's all you're about. You're blessed, no doubt. Uh, no Mike, question. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate it and appreciate uh, all you guys do for the Homes of Help. Hope it's been our pleasure to be here today. It's been a great day, and I uh, hope you and yours and your team have a fantastic Merry Christmas and a healthy, happy, and prosperous New Year. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here. We will see you in the spring. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. That's a wrap here today on Middays from the Corner Market in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Come on out. Still plenty of time, and we need you to give some toys here for the Homes of Hope. We are out of here today, back in the Element Well Studios on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Until then, stay safe and God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.